This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience at Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, this is uh, Matt's favorite cousin, Chris Kelly, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Welcome to episode 41 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 9th. My name is Matt Baum, and I am sick as a dog. You sound so sultry. But there is nowhere I would rather be than with you nerds, with you and comic books, my boy DJ here, and when I'm not doing that... I'm writing about it at PraiseOfComicsWorldPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online. And when Matt is not trying to forcibly pass his sickness onto me via mouth-to-mouth contact, I am the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. I just don't want to be alone. This week, THN reviews The Avenging Spider-Man, number one from Marvel, and The Occultist from Dark Horse. Then... We'll drop our death blossom on the coat on Armada. <laughs> or reviewing 10 comics in the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll pay a visit to the brand new THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where our manservant has prepared the ancient texts necessary for us to look into the future and discuss some of next week's comics. And finally, in honor of the late great overweight lover Heavy D, we'll count down our top five favorite comic book fat guys. All of that and more on this week's episode. But before we get to all that, Hucklebuck. Let's take a moment to say goodbye to some other friends we lost this week. Bill King, creator of Family Circus. Famous boxer, Smokin' Joe Frazier. The legacy of Joe Paterno and Rick Perry's presidential campaign. So let's have a brief moment of silence. And then on to this week's big news. Take five, Matt. I got this one. I appreciate that. The rise of digital comics took a huge leap this week as Marvel made several announcements promising expansions to their digital initiative. Last week, the publisher announced that their entire line will be available digitally the same day as the print versions by March of next year. This week saw the release of Avenging Spider-Man number one, the print versions of which included a free digital copy, though... It was still three ninety nine. Yeah. So, uh, over the past few days, Marvel revealed that the conclusion to the Dark Angel saga in Uncanny X Force eighteen will receive the same treatment, and that the entire Ultimate line will begin including digital redemption codes with print copies beginning in January. Finally, the House of Ideas announced that their upcoming line of season one graphic novels will include free redemption codes as well. Marvel's senior vice president of sales, David Gabriel, has compared the digital comics market to a, quote, new newsstand and claims that these new initiatives are designed to increase sales and drive traffic to brick and mortar stores. Matt, what are we going to do with all these polybags? <coughs> it's, a, it's a real question, though, because if they do start polybagging everything because they're going to put codes in it or whatever, yeah. no one's going to be able to pick anything up to see if they like the art. Right, right. And, like, I have no problems with digital comics and I think is genius to include print version or to have print versions including the free codes and truthfully digital comics might be the only thing that really saves this medium at a certain point if everything is polybagged I know Marvel has said that they want to drive traffic to brick and mortar retailers as well but if customers can't actually shop yeah you know, they can't browse. Right. How is that going to get them to buy? How's that going to entice them to buy a comic? So, I mean, that's a concern. Other than that, though, I, I think it's a great idea. And really, DC, they kind of paved the way with that combo pack idea by charging an extra buck. Marvel has seen them one better. And it worked. They actually had huge sales on that. Yeah. It worked really well for them. Um, and, you know, Marvel is making it, quote unquote, free, but their comics are, generally speaking, at a higher price point already. So, yeah. Time will tell. I think it's a good idea, and I think using the Ultimate line in the Season 1 graphic novels as a kind of test market for for this kind of uh, initiative is a good idea. 
DC Comics has revealed the next story arc following Paul Jenkins and Bernard Chang's Dead Man feature in the DC Universe Presents anthology series. The Challengers of the Unknown will make their new 52 debut, beginning with February's issue 6. I wrote that rhyme. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Brace yourselves. The feature will be co-written by Jerry Ordway and everybody's favorite punching bag, bald punching bag, that is, Dan DeDeal. Bald mustache. Jerry Ordway will also provide art for the series. Joe, I know you are a big Jerry Ordway fan, but does the world need more comics written by Dan DeDeal? I would add Jerry Ordway to that list. Listen, I like Jerry Ordway. We liked him in the past. What have you loved from him in the last 10 years? What? No, I still think he's great. This continues a disturbing trend of DC dodging new talent to go back to the old guys and putting them on books that are not going to sell. These books were by DiDio and Ordway and whoever weren't selling in the past. Why is this going to sell now? This, I mean, this could be the death knell of this book. Well, I mean, it's a short. It'll be a short arc. I don't uh-huh. know if it'll be a death knell. Okay, let me ask you this: You don't work at a comic book store. You can't read free comics. Are you buying this one? I look at it. Looking at the cover will say, oh, I like Jerry Ordway and I like the Challengers on the Unknown. I'm going to pick up that comic and flip through it. I'm just saying. Unless it comes polybagged with a free digital download. Yeah, no doubt. Code. In which case, you won't know. But <laughs> then I will probably not buy that comic. But, I mean, I'm interested in it. Just, and actually. Doesn't it seem strange to you at all, though? I mean, like, where's the new and exciting talent of DC? Well, I don't. Is there any The more right I now? think about it, the more I think that's unfair. I think just because a guy is an older creator, it doesn't mean he doesn't have a good story to tell. No, it doesn't. For me, like, Dan DiDio certainly has a bad rap, and I'm not his biggest fan, but by all accounts, OMAC is a great comic, and... It's okay. I'm not going to say great. It's okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not all caught up on it, but everyone else tells me how much fun it is, and if DiDio's really gotten better in his writing, then... Maybe Challenges Unknown is going to be fun. He's also writing it with Keith Giffen. They're both writing it. Well, co-writing with Jerry Ordway, so we'll see. For now, cautiously optimistic. Finally, legendary British creator Mick Anglo passed away on Halloween at the age of 96. Anglo had a long and celebrated career in the British comics industry that spanned decades. However, American readers may know Anglo best as the creator of Marvel Man, a character whose impact on the comics industry is still felt today. Anglo created Marvel Man in the mid-50s as a replacement to Fawcett's Captain Marvel after a lawsuit from DC forced the publisher to cease publication of Cap's stories. The writer went on to script over 700 stories featuring the character and his supporting cast. And though he went on to produce many other stories through the years, Marvel Man is the character that resonated strongest in the hearts and minds of fans. This, of course, led to the historic Alan Moore revamp of the character in the 80s, And while Marvel has laid claim to the publishing rights to the character, a legal quagmire still prevents Moore's stories from being reprinted. However, the publisher has uh, put out a number of collections of Anglo's original Marvel Man work in recent years. Now, how Anglo's death will affect the ongoing legal battle over the character remains to be seen. Matthew? I feel bad that this guy isn't better known and isn't more famous. But you know what? I just don't care about more Miracle Man or more Marvel Man. I, I, I don't care. I feel the same way about this that I feel about DC doing the prequel to Watchmen. We don't need it. Sure. You, you know, these stories were fine. The Alan Moore stuff is important. Everyone should read it. It was great stuff at the time. I just don't need more. Well, I think the whole... I think we're losing track of the focus of the story. What... what 
the point is, I think, not to do more Miracle Man, but to finish Miracle Man because it ended before it was done. I mean, I get and it. And to reprint it, is which Alan is Moore important. Finish it? No, Neil Gaiman, probably Marvel. Mm. Well, they're the guys that yeah, I mean, I taking know. it over. I just maybe we don't need that. Well, that's beside the point, though. Really, it is sad that Mick Anglo has passed, and it is, it is sad. He's he contributed something great to the industry, and it's kind of odd how British creators don't kind of. Unless they hit it big in American comics, their their work goes relatively unknown. Uh, but this this guy contributed something to the industry that people will remember forever, and so I think it's important to just mark it. And it's a it's a sad day. I would like to see the reprints. I will say that I'd yeah. like a really nice reprinted edition. I just don't need anything new. Now those Marvel Man, those Golden Age Marvel Man books are still in print from Marvel. And they are <coughs> wackadoo. <laughs> so maybe give them a look-see. Yeah, they're really something. <laughs> That's this week's big news. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where I will be doing my best Tom Waits review, playing some of your favorite Tom Waits songs and singing them. Hail the earth, I Review time is here, and as always, Matt and I had a freestyle MC battle to see who goes first, and Matt's razor-sharp flow and non-traditional cadence exposed me for the sucker MC I am. Tell him what you read, Matt. This week, I read The Avenging Spider-Man, number one, by Zeb Wells and Joe Madureira. 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 I'm a huge Spidey guy, okay? I love Dan Slott's Amazing Spidey, and I was not looking forward to this book at all. I, I just, it, it seems totally unnecessary. It just seems like we didn't need it. We've already got a really good Spidey book. I don't know that we need another. There's like seven Spidey books running right now, if you count all the weird tie-ins and everything. And I hate the title. I hate it. Really? Avenging Spider-Man. I hate it. It does not roll off the tongue. And if this is going to be a team-up book, why don't we call it Marvel Superhero Team-Up Featuring Spider-Man? Because Avenging Spider-Man sounds tough. It's dumb. I hate it. It's really stupid. But... The real problem that I saw coming with this was the art. I loved Joe Mad back in the 90s. Loved him. Loved his X-Men. I even followed his Battle Chasers for all nine issues we got in four years. <laughs> but I, I hated his recent work in Ultimates 3. It, it was just bad. It looked like weird animation capture stuff. It reminded me when, like, uh, I can't remember what the company was, but they were, oh, CrossGen did, like, the Dragon's Lair cart, like comics. Oh, yeah. Which were direct animation capture. I hated it. It just looks like cheating. I was totally wrong, though. Everything that I hated about Ultimates 3 was not in this book. Yeah. Joe Mad, his style looks loose, almost sketchy, and I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It really looked good. It didn't look slick or overdone. N none of that was there. And this is him. He's inking it. He's coloring it. He I'm not even sure it. it was inked. It may have been colored straight from pencils. It's, Could be. It, it was that kind of sketchy. But it was really beautiful. Tight, tightly penciled. And it sure. reminded me of what I really liked about him back in the day, before he went full-on cartoon manga-type style. There, There's a two-page spread with what I should tell everybody first. This is Spider-Man teaming up with the Red Hulk, who is giving him a ride home, effectively, right. from an Avengers fight in the beginning. And when they get back to New York... A whole bunch of moloids, which are the mole creatures that are controlled by the mole man, have surfaced and are attacking the New York Marathon. There's a fantastic two-page spread 
of the Moloids like attacking the whole marathon. And it, it just kind of took my breath away. And that hasn't happened for a while. And I can't say how, I can't tell you how pleased I was. I only hope that he can stay on schedule. This book was announced quite some time ago. And so I feel like the lead time is strong. Now, is he just on the first arc or is he going to be the regular artist? I think he's the regular artist, but the kind of back matter, the the letters page did make mention of other top tier talent yeah. swinging in they're, they're for fill ins because he's a slow guy. Yeah, he, I mean, he can't maintain a regular book, no. so he'll probably do an arc. And then there will be a couple fill-ins, and then he'll be back. But, that okay. would be my guess. His art was gorgeous here. It really was. Yeah, no, I loved it. And I wrote about this on my uh, the blog that I write for WorthPoint as well. And somebody else, a very nice person, commented, much like what I was saying, they don't love Joe Maduri anymore. They liked him back in the day. They don't love his art. Say it again. And they're not Madurera. Madurera. <laughs> Madurera. <laughs> and they're, they just weren't excited for this at all. And I got on today and commented, I'm like, you've got to look at this book because it really looks nice. It's a great-looking Spidey book. Yeah, uh, Zeb Wells is doing the writing here, and we've seen Zeb Wells write Spidey before, and he's just great at it. He has this excellent balance of comedy and action. There's a there's a New York Marathon poster with J. Jonah Jameson, who is currently the mayor of New York, and he's <laughs> pointing, and it's a quote under it says, "When I say run, you say how far." Yeah, yeah, that was great, <laughs> fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, Spidey asking the Avengers for a ride back to New York, and everybody raises their hand, goes, "Not it." And, <laughs> yeah. and Cap is like, "Well, it's at first he doesn't me. understand it. it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it was really good, and. I understand there's a lot of people who are probably afraid to jump into Amazing Spider-Man because it is, I don't even know what issue it's on right now. I can't say off the top of my head. Like 673, 674. That's intimidating for anyone. And if you want to just pick up a Spidey book and read, you really don't have to know anything other than the fact that Spidey's an Avenger now. And because he's an Avenger, he teams up with these other Avengers. Go for it. And that. really, you don't even need to know that going in. They tell you that. Yeah, I mean, it's in the a, first page. That's basically it. He mentions he has his spider sense back. If you want to research how he lost it, you can. But really, this is just slam bang Marvel team up. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect yeah. for a, a new guy that's never really like. If this is your first taste of Spider Man, you are Spider Man jumping on book. Yeah, this is totally a perfect jump on point. Now, I will say it was kind of light on like. Spider-Man supporting cast and like what his actual life is like. But I think it's supposed to be. Yeah, this is more Spider-Man interacting with a larger world and I think that would be perfect for somebody that's just kind of dipping their toe into the Marvel Universe. I thought this book was great. Yeah, this just reminds me so much of the Marvel team up that it it was a lot of fun. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I agree. This, Like you said, everything I was worried about as far as what kind of Joe Madureira was going to show up to to draw this book. I, the worries were dispelled. and it, it was wonderfully drawn. Zeb Wells is a great writer, and he's got a really good handle on Spidey. I give this book a strong buy it. Joe, why don't you tell the kids about The Occultist, number one, oh. by Tim Seeley. And I'm going to let you say Victor's last name. Victor Drujinyu. I'm going to go with Drujinyu. Okay. Drujinyu. I think that's pretty good. I like it. Uh, so yes, the occultist uh, number one from Dark Horse, story by Mike Richardson and Tim Seeley, script by Tim Seeley, and art by the aforementioned Victor Drahinu. Drahinu. Uh, Rob Bailey must balance responsibilities as a boyfriend, as a college student, and as the new wielder of the sword. This is the solicitation, by the way, not just Joe. They're Randall. not gonna get. Do you think they're gonna <laughs> not get that? What if first time listeners? <laughs> 
All right, take it away. And as the new wielder of the sword, an ancient book of spells that has bound itself to him with a team of hit mages hired by the powerful Aiden Beck after him, it's trial by fire for the new occultist as he learns to handle his powerful magical tome. I was doing that right before I came over. Handling my powerful That's magical disgusting. tome. That's disgusting. It's, it's a family show. Euphemism. This is a clean podcast. Buddy. Or suffer at the hands of these deadly enemies. But as he fights for his life, our hero wonders whether he is wielding this enigmatic weapon or if it's the one in control. Now, going by the solicitation, this premise sounds pretty decent, and that's why I decided to give the book a try. But, unfortunately, this was a real chore to slog through. <laughs> so, what's your rating, Joe? <laughs> Giving it away real quick. Spoiler quickly, alert! Huh? <laughs> uh, apparently, this is the second issue of The Occultist. Yes. Even though it's labeled number one of three. Well, no, there was a one-shot, is what it was. It was like a one-shot intro, like well, 2010. The fact isn't that fact is not mentioned anywhere in this book. Not on the title page, not in the back matter, and the story itself gives no indicator. Well, maybe they were just hoping you were paying attention. Why would I look at a book that says one of three and think anything other than it's the number one? I'm making a joke. Thank you. I just six, so it doesn't come out funny. <laughs> yeah, and the story gives no indicator as to where to find this earlier adventure. Like there's no mention of it whatsoever. The the only place in the entire book that a previous story is mentioned is in the fine print of the Indicia where it says number two in a series. Nice use of Indicia, by the way. That Thank was good. Thank you. I know words. No, I will say it is pretty tone deaf. They could have reprinted the one shot or something. Yeah. Or made this a giant issue with the one shot Especially in Especially considering the one shot came out a year ago. Yeah. Now, jumping on with the second issue of a book is something I've done before. So, you know, and I've always managed to catch up, but this book is so dense. And Seely spends the entire issue explaining everything that's happening instead of giving the story room to breathe. The issue picks up with the story already in progress and does absolutely nothing to make things more clear for potential new readers. The issue should have gotten us up to speed and instead it references things that it assumes we all know without giving them the proper context. And that it was a real problem for me. See, I didn't... I, okay, it was there. But I didn't think it was that bad. That's not what bothered me about Well, me. here's the thing, is that I got to the end of the book, and I had a firm handle on the story. Yeah, I mean, I did too. I mean, I'm not a dummy. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But reading that book, as I'm reading this book, I'm thinking about what somebody who would look at that book and pick it up off the shelf because it says number one and it's got a cool cover. Right. And it, it did have a very cool cover. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it, it was completely dense and impenetrable. Yeah. No, I mean... Yeah, I agree. It was I, very I have been trained by decades of reading comics to be able to piece a story together from the most meager of scraps. <laughs> most people are not like me. There are things I did enjoy. Like, I did, I enjoyed the first few pages of the book where uh, the demon that's searching for the sword tricks his way into the sorcerer's penthouse by dis disguising itself as a prostitute. For whatever reason, I just... I, I thought that was interesting. Because you like prostitutes. <clears throat> no comment. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but it, it set up... It, what I liked was that in that scene, it set up the idea that in this world, uh, tomes and wands have kind of given way to other items. Yeah, I did like, like how they... cell phones. Like they talked about the, the relying too much on technology. Yeah. Like that guy's that cell was phone cool. was his wand. And I thought that was an interesting idea. I thought that was kind of dumb. But anyway. Just the idea that, you know, the old ways, like carrying wooden sticks and tomes of power have right. kind of given way to a new way of, of doing magic. The art is okay. 
in parts, it, I really enjoyed it. In others, it's kind of lackluster. Uh, but it's got a kind of a soft, photorealistic style that almost looks a little painted, like the color is kind of painted. Yeah, see, I thought it was just like way too photo-referenced. Right, it was photo-referenced, but not in the annoying, like, I drew Sawyer from Lost as Tony Stark No, 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 kind not like that at all. But, like, definitely. But it was clear that for a lot of the facial expressions, the artist yeah, used photo-reference. Still too photo-reference for me. Uh, the designs for the hit mages, which is really stupid. Uh, and the demon at the beginning, I thought those were pretty interesting. Like, so it had some things going for it. And overall, but overall, I had to work way too hard to understand what the hell was going on. And there was no indication that this was anything other than the first issue of a news story. And it was anything but. Uh, the script spent all of its time explaining everything that was happening on the page instead of letting the artist handle the storytelling, which is something I hate. Yeah, this was definitely heavy-handed. That's the best way I could describe it. It's it. like there's a scene where the demon is invading the penthouse and the demon rips out of the hooker suit and goes, Haha, I have tricked you. I am invading you by disguising myself as a hooker because you really like hookers. Yeah, pretty much. And now I'm eating your face. Yeah, like, like all but narrating. Yeah, exactly. Thing. It was just, it was unacceptable. Is this the first Seelie that you've read? Uh, I never, I've never read Hack Actually, Slash. it may be the first This was my writing first, that I've This is my first Seelie. I've never read Hacks. I did have some choice words for his artwork in Generation Hope a few episodes ago. <laughs> uh, now, somewhere in here, there's a fun concept and the idea has potential, but I just could not find it in this first issue. I'm giving it a leave it. You know, like, after you read it, you sent me a text telling me how much you hated it. And so I was prepared to jump into this one and absolutely hate it. I didn't hate it. That said, I will not be reading the next issue. No, yeah. No, me neither. Because I just didn't care. It, it, it was this very heavy-handed storytelling that I don't care for. Right. I kind of like the stripped-down, decompressed writer and artist that can work together almost telepathically let to me, tell a story. Let and me, that is not present here. Let me give you an example of something Dark Horse, another concept Dark Horse started as a one shot in another series or in an anthology and then later had a mini. Beasts of Burden by oh, yeah. Evan Dorkin and Jill oh, Thompson. Yeah. And that was 100% done right. Fantastic. Yeah, because it reset the story. I, I read that series without ever having read the introductory a story that preceded it. You didn't need to. And you know they absolutely gave you everything you needed. Evan Dorkin is an excellent writer. Yeah. This did not this did not do its job. Yeah, the best I can give it is a skim it. Like I said, I probably won't be reading the next issue though. There you go. So that is a double buy it for Avenging Spider-Man number 1, a leave it from me and a skim it from Matt for the Occultist number 1. And as always, we want to know your opinions of the comics we reviewed, so hit us up on our Facebook page and let us know how slanted and biased Right, I'm doing all the heavy lifting from here on in, folks. Strap in for the Joe Patrick Show. Guest starring Matt Palm on occasion. It's the Joe Show starring me. I'm Joe. <laughs> it's time once again for Matt and I to strip down to our swimsuits, then run, then slide, then hit the bump, and review ten comics in midair. That's a slip and slide reference. Uh, before landing with toddler killing force in the ludicrous speed round. That's the first time I read that line. Ludicrous <laughs> speed! Go! Magneto, not a hero. Number one. This was... Terrible title. Eh, this was a competently executed comic. It was not terrible, but it is notable for the fact that 
hey, Scotty Young wrote a comic and it wasn't a complete train wreck. Yeah, and it's the return of a character I never thought I would see. Again. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm giving it a skim it, but overall, I kind of liked it. Buy it. I kind of liked it. Hey. Avengers Origin The Vision, number one. Uh, as I understood the Avengers Origins book that are coming now, they were supposed to be updates of Origins that kind of needed updates. This did not seem like an update to me. Did the Vision need an update? Barely an origin, but not bad. Skim it. Okay. Green Lantern, number three. This book was great. For what it, it had a, an ending I didn't see coming. Doug Mankey proves that he is probably DC's most valuable player. Oh yeah, easily. It has got an army of inkers, and yet the book is still beautiful from page to page. Buy it. Suicide Squad number three. I was going to give all the DC books four issues before I quit them, but I officially quit the Suicide Squad. You coward. I do not care about Harley Quinn in a skimpier outfit. I don't care about these characters. There's just not much story here. Need it. I haven't read past issue one. Yeah, you don't need to. <laughs> Battle Scars, number one. Uh, this is Marvel's next big kind of push. What in the hell is going on in this book? I don't know. I don't either. There's a character named Marcus Johnson. Apparently, there's some sort of secret about him that not even he knows. Yeah, and I thought, well, oh, they'll, obviously, they're going to give us something in this first issue. Well, no. as a result of the secret, everyone's after him. And I like the issue, but I will say, now that... Well, I can't say that. They didn't tell us squat. They didn't. If they drag out the mystery more than one more issue, I'm out. But for now, I kind of liked it. I'll say bye. Fear itself, 7.2, colon, Thor. I loved it. I loved it. Really? I didn't understand one thing that was happening. Oh, I loved it. Mad Fraction writes Thor like nobody's business. Uh, It's the introduction to Tanneris, the God of Thunder, who is obviously not who we think he is what and I did only like, one person knows it and it's Kid Loki I'm um, giving it a skin I'm gonna buy it <laughs> Ultimate Comic Spider-Man number four this was a perfect comic book wow yeah it was excellently written beautifully drawn You, we get to the crux now of what is going to drive Miles Morales to be Spider-Man which is so hard for me to care ever since Michelle Obama told me he had to be black <laughs> uh, the 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 revelation of what Miles Morales' Uncle Ben is was perfect. I loved it by it. House of Night, number one. This is the other number one from Dark Horse this week. I really enjoyed this. I didn't expect because to. you are 14. It only cost a dollar based on a very popular group of novels by PC Cast. It's basically Harry Potter with vampires. It's kind of more for girls and guys. The art was really good. I read it, and I gave it to a girl that likes comics. She read it. She loved it, too. I was going to buy it. That's good, because you're a girl. Batgirl number three. This book needs to get better real quick. I have not read this one yet. It was not great. Uh, skim it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm Gail, I expect better. I'm sorry. Tough love. Kirby Genesis Silver Star number one. I love Kirby Genesis so far. One of the things I was worried about is that I was going to go the route of Project Superpowers, where we'd get a million different one-shots at all. One-shots and miniseries that all suck. If they're all like this... They're all going to suck. I'm giving this a read at this book. was not good. Yikes. Crack! Wham! That is your ludicrous speed round. And that's the first time I've gotten you sound of that. Look at you. Crack! Wham! is the sound of a left hook and a headbutt from the Taskmaster. As seen in this week's Battle Scars number one. Okay, we gotta take a time out so I can get this snoring pug out of our studio. It's a pug party. This is ridiculous. It's time to visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum and let our astral selves leave the shells of our frail human bodies behind and with the hoary hosts of Hoggoth 
as our guide, peer into the future of next week's comics. Joe, what is your Eye of Agamotto focused on for next week? I think you got sick just so that you could read that intro. It totally works, right? It totally works. <laughs> um, I am excited for X Factor 227. <laughs> And I told Matt it's because I really loved the 227 TV show. I didn't get it at all. I did not even make the connection. Jack A. Jack A. Marla Gibbs. Yes. Martha Gibbs. Marla? Marla Gibbs. Maybe. And other people that were in that show. Sorry, black folks. (laughs) (laughs) But really, this is the issue where, I believe it's the last issue prior to Regenesis. Yes. And a member of the team is going to die. Who's going to die? Call your shot. Who's going to be? My money's on Pip the Troll. Oh, God, who cares? Cop out. Yeah, that's a total cop out. Actually, I think it might be Darwin. Yeah, I hope it's Darwin. Because I don't nobody like Darwin. cares about Darwin. I don't give two craps about Darwin. Except for Peter David and Ed Brubaker. Who Moving right him. along. <laughs> yeah. My pick for next week, Mudman, number one from Image Comics. Joe and I actually wrestled over this one. It's true. This is written and drawn by Paul Grist. I love Paul Grist. I do, too. I love Jack's staff. I love it. I, I Just everything this guy does is so weird and trippy, and I can't wait for it. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm very excited. This is a new superhero series, and it, I can't wait to read it. Normally, we'd be answering your questions this week as part of our Ask a Nerd. And we will be doing that on our fifth week That's this right. November. But with the loss of a true hip-hop icon, Heavy D, this week, it only seemed appropriate to whip out another THN Top 5 list. This time, we'll be counting down our Top 5 favorite comic book Fat guys. Fun. Yeah. Starting with number five, Matt. Number five goes to Iron Fist sumo wrestling ally Fat Cobra. First appearance in Immortal Iron Fist, number eight, back in 2007. He was created by Ed Brubaker. Fat Cobra actually beat Iron Fist in the Tournament of the Nine Cities in that storyline. There you go. Coming in at number four is the X-Men's fattest enemy, The Blob. First appeared in Uncanny X-Men Volume 1, number 3, in 1964, and was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, and easily, easily the worst part of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh yeah, it was terrible. Also, recently ate the Wasp in the pages of Ultimatum. And I didn't mention his real name. I forgot to write it. Fred Dukes. Fred Dukes. That's right. Nicely done. That was not in the script. Joel Patrick, ladies and gentlemen. Ask you, Go ahead. I dare you to ask me a question. At number three, we have the Legion of Superheroes' chunkiest member, Bouncing Boy. First appearance, Action Comics 276 in 1961. He was created by Jerry Siegel and Jim Mooney. Jerry Siegel, really? Go figure. Bouncing Boy was Charles Foster Kane. Chuck to his friends. Not Charles Foster Kane. No. <laughs> As seen in a very famous movie. I'm not going to go into it. He was your average fat you kid. You probably haven't seen it. Probably not. He, he was your average fat kid from Earth until he mistakenly drank a bottle of super plastic formula, which he thought was a soda pop. This is the character fat so kid. fat that he saw a vial of liquid in a tube and said, you know what? I'm going to put that in my mouth. Oh, crap. Soda pop, man. Yeah. The formula gave Bouncing Boy the ability to inflate like a ball and bounce. That's right. He gave him the ability to bounce. Bounce. Oh. There it is. Number two on our list is The Wall herself, Amanda Waller. She first appeared in Legends Number 1 in 1986 from D.C., created by John Ostrander, Len Wein, and John Byrne. Waller escaped the Cabrini Green projects after her family was murdered, got her doctorate in political science. Because what else do you do? Right. And while working as a congressional aide, discovered the secret Suicide Squad project where the government was using supervillains as a black ops team. 
Waller would go on to run the squad and later lose tons of weight. <laughs> well, I get to that. It's in there. <laughs> Waller has stared down some of the DC's most fearsome villains and often told some of the DCU's mightiest heroes to stay out of her way. And for some reason, after the relaunch, DC decided to make her slim and sexy. Yeah, it just sucks, man. She was DC's, like, badass Oprah. Yep, it's true. And now she's all skinny and attractive. It's dumb. I don't like it. Number one had to go to the largest member of the Warriors 3, Thor's fattest homie, <laughs> Volstag the Voluminous. Oh, I love it. Created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, Volstag first appeared in the pages of Journey into Mystery number 119 in 1965. Volstag is known for his unequaled appetite and penchant for bragging and claiming victory, even when the day was won in spite of his efforts. <laughs> Volstag is Asgard's funny fat guy and easily my favorite member of the Warriors 3. The most recent like Matt Fraction Thor where Volstagg was sitting down with the physicist that was trying to explain to him <laughs> yeah. what was why why there was a major problem when Asgard moved from the ninth realm to Midgard. Yeah. And he was using pie as the example and Volstagg kept eating the pies. Well and Volstagg was like Go back to the pies. I understand that. <laughs> Volstagg was uh putting himself out there as Asgard's like scientific specialist. Yeah. <laughs> He's the closest thing they have to someone to understand science. Yeah. That's our Heavy D Memorial Top 5 oversized comic character list. Make sure to let us know who we missed over at our Facebook page. Unfortunately, Joe and I both just found love and now we have no idea what to do. Heavy D, we miss you, buddy. Get for the two headed nerd this week, and I do not have much voice left, so it's a damn good thing. If listening to a nerd with a frog in his throat makes fun of a nerd that should be studying is your kind of thing, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes where your star ratings and reviews are all DJ and I need to know that just because we're sitting in my office recording a show about comic books does not mean we're losers. Not at all, not at all. Huge thanks to everyone who clicked our donate button at twoheadednerd.com, and if you haven't, your donation in any amount not only helps keep this show going, but makes us feel like real podcasting professionals. Yeah. As always, you can find all things Two-Headed and Nerdy at TwoHeadedNerd.com, like our Twitter handles, links to Ask a Nerd, where you can ask us any of your comic-related questions, and ask for reading suggestions from the comic pushers. Also, don't forget to send us your submissions for the THN Mascot Contest. Still ongoing. The winner will be voted on by you guys, and the new mascot will be featured on the new and improved TwoHeadedNerd.com. Coming soon maybe if that's not enough head over to our facebook page where you can become a fan of thn and answer the question of the week this week's query we're three issues deep into the dc relaunch and we want to know which new dcu titles are you getting ready to cut from your stack i already mentioned the suicide squad it is gone baby there you go Next week, the comic pushes are back to give you comic junkies a fix, so hit us up with some suggestions. Why couldn't I have this voice next week when I'm doing the Tone Loke thing? <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Zach Hollowell, who doesn't like to click donate buttons, so instead he handed me a donation after the Might Be Giant show at the Slowdown last week. Word to you, Zach, and until next time, true believers, this is the last thing I'm going to be able to say until my voice comes back. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off. Can you say there is no Dana? There is only Zool. There is no Dana, only Zool.